just so much information out there that if you're not constantly reading, if you're not going to seminars, if you're not listening to podcasts, you're just going to soften a little bit. Also have a good daily routine. Have a strong morning. Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com. And in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the Best Ever Conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Colin Schwartz. How you doing, Colin? Doing awesome, Joe. Doing awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And a little bit about Colin. He's a real estate investor who began investing in 2017, currently owns 245 rental units with another 70 under contract based in Omaha, Nebraska. With that being said, Colin, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah. So I kind of moved all over as a kid. 2007, Decided to move up to Nebraska, start working on my MBA, was working at a grocery chain for about six years, became, you know, an assistant store director there, left there to pursue the corporate world, more of the nine to five gig, got married at the time, was looking to start a family, started working there. It was in insurance. I was in marketing, then started doing some IT work, really found that I was enjoying or thought I had made it with kind of the nine to five gig good paycheck, but was being left very unsatisfied and unfulfilled. So as many other investors out there, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that was January 1st, 2017. And I knew I had to make a change. So right from then, basically started networking, got on bigger pockets, started listening to your podcast, started listening to everything I could, read every book I could. And then April 24th, I closed on my first threeplex with a partner. And April 24th of 17? Of 17, that's correct. So about four months later, I was able to close on it. It was a pocket listing. I actually met the agent through Bigger Pockets. He reached out to me. So it was a good start. I was in a good location. It needed some rehab. The rents were way under market. So went through, did that rehab. At the same time, I was having trouble finding leads, I think, as a lot of new investors do. Brokers don't give you a lot of respect in the front end, and maybe rightfully so. Sure. Prove yourself. So started sending a bunch of letters. You know, I hand wrote, I think it was 191 letters. I got the list from ListSource, filtered it down to multifamily owners that had owned their property for, I believe it was over five years. Mm-hmm. Kind of simple letter, sent those out. I got six deals off of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a great, great return on my investment. It was kind of funny because I was still working at my full-time job then. So I would be having to leave meetings, taking phone calls and 
figuring out how to negotiate a whole new realm for me. Mm-hmm. But that actually worked out really well. So fast forward, have continued buying. As you stated, I have 245 rental units. It's over about 20 properties. We've started purchasing bigger units. One of our last ones was 87 rental units. The two that we have under contracts, a 48 and 23 unit. Self-manage about half of those properties, a little more than half of those units. Kind of trying to find the right balance as uh, growing a team and what we can keep up with as most of these properties need a lot of repositioning, Mm -hmm. a lot of remodeling. And uh, now just kind of looking forward to continuing to purchase more and more and meet with other investors. About 15 months ago, I started a meetup group and that's been great. We have about 500 members with regular attendance of about 100 people every month. The 101 letters that you hand wrote, you got six deals from it. What were the terms of those deals? They were kind of all over the place. So one of them, basically, I got a referral fee of 2000 bucks for passing it on. Another one was a sevenplex, and it was just me direct with owner, purchased it for 369 it was a seven unit rents at the time were I think 4,200 went through quite a decent repositioning process, purchased it through bank financing. I should say that. And then within, I think it was eight or nine months, we were able to refinance out of it and got it valued at 525. So mm-hmm. it was kind of all over the place. Almost all of them I purchased with a partner. There was one duplex I did purchase by myself, but what's kind of funny is those six deals that I got, I've also gotten recommendations from those sellers for other properties. So I've been able to purchase neighboring properties based on the previous landowner telling the other landowners that I actually purchased their units. So it was really looking at going in, raising the rents and using bank financing for the 80%. For my 20%, I was using a home equity line of credit. Okay. You live in Omaha. Are these properties in Omaha? Yep. Everything's in Omaha, especially when I first started. So I now have uh, two little kids, but at the time when I started, I just had one. I also help with another business as well, plus had my full-time job. And I also realized right away that if I was going to effectively do it, especially on these smaller scale properties, I was going to need to self-manage. So I chose things that were near my workplace. It happens to be kind of a downtown area that's gentrifying, expanding, going through a lot of improvements. So it was a good area to look, but there's still a lot of tired landlords around. So everything that I started buying was in basically one hour walking distance from my work. So if I need to go meet a contractor over lunch, I could either hop in my car or basically run on over there and get it taken care of. So I knew that at first, if I was getting a call, I needed to go handle a situation that was two hours away from either situation, I was going to get burnt out really quickly. Sure. Did that initial list focus on that highly targeted area? Yes, it was two zip codes that I put in there. So it was around my work and basically another zip code that followed the line of the interstate, which I would have to drive back anyways to and from work. So mm-hmm. kind of made it in the convenience manner, but also an area that I saw a lot of growth potential as well. It wasn't just for that convenience. Okay. And you said the first deal, I heard you say that it was a, a triplex and you did it with a partner. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And who is his partner? Steven Sykes. And how do you know Steven? This is kind of funny. I was sitting there with my wife. This was February 2017 or January, just saying, who do you know that knows something about real estate? Well, she's like, hey, talk to my cousin's fiance. He was an attorney, recommended me to another agent. And another agent recommended me to Steven. He had about 50 rental units under management and ownership at the time. So we just started really hitting it off. We had multiple conversations started talking about our goals, what we were looking for. I found this property. 
brought it to him and said, Hey, will you walk through this with me? What do you think? We got along really well. So we decided to partner on it. He had the experience. He knew some contractors and it was absolutely paramount because when I walked through the property, I just looked at the current rents, (laughs) saw things that I had no idea what to do with. And I don't think this makes sense. And lo and behold, it did. It appraised the time of purchase for about 50 or $60,000 more than- Oh, awesome. Yeah. And that was just an initial purchase before we even did anything to the property. That's great. So he clearly brought the more seasoned experience. I imagine you brought the cash. We actually both brought cash to that deal. So we were 50-50 on the cash. 50-50 on cash. Okay. Yep. And I did the management for the property. With all of your years of expertise managing properties. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> At first, I had no plan on managing. I read everything about passive income, this, that. So that was my goal. And he said, it's probably going to be good for you. If in three months you don't like it or you don't see it's valuable, I'll take it over and manage it. Well, I ended up really, really liking it, which is not of the norm. What do you like about it? Something's different every day. It's challenging. I also somewhat of a control freak. So having that control, being able to fill vacancies a lot quicker, being able to be more effective on the turns, actually putting something together and being able to mold that property. And now I've purchased a lot of properties in that area, be able to mold the overall client base that's in there and have kind of reputation or whatever you call it, having quality properties. So yeah, it's kind of a control thing, but it's the same reason that I don't prefer to invest in stocks anymore. Yep is why I wanted to manage it myself. Because if I was going to let somebody else manage it, it was a similar scenario. I was giving up control and similar to the reasons why I don't enjoy the stock market as much. I'd love to learn more about filling vacancies quicker. What do you do that would be different from a property management company that you'd hire? We do a lot of things that are similar. I think I incentivize the people that work with me a little bit better. But We really, really, really push getting professional photos. We post it on all social media accounts. We do this, all that normal stuff, but we also try to contact our residents and have them provide us referrals, customer service, and then even goofy things like me and my son dressed up like T-Rexes for Halloween. So I decided, well, what better use dress up like a T-Rex and uh, take photos and videos of the properties that just increases the viralness. Sure of the actual property itself. So instead of somebody viewing it 200 times, you're getting 5,000 views. Mm -hmm. So just things like that can really help with it. Were you two in the unit and people were taking picture of the T-Rexes in the unit? It was actually just me and my son being a two-year-old, three-year-old. He was not cooperating at the time, but I had a professional photographer come in and we did funny things. Me pulling something out of the oven, taking a shower in the T-Rex costume. So just kind of a bunch of goofy stuff. Okay. Um, But yeah, do something different. And what made me think of that is actually when I was walking around with him on Halloween and probably 50% of the people had a wow amazement about the costume. I was like, okay, there's still some (laughs) viralness left to it. I'm going to use it for some marketing. It was a $50 costume. Might as well use it again. (laughs) Just kind of fun stuff like that, but really, really pushing social media, really pushing relationships with my vendors so that they're sharing they're telling other people about it. And the fact that I do self-manage and have a small management company that we manage all the properties in which we own, our responsiveness is typically much, much faster than others. You mentioned earlier, you might incentivize more than others. What exactly do you do? From so I, I think most property management companies, they just pay their leasing individuals, whether it's a salary and they do other things. And it's kind of secondary, at least some that I've talked to. 
I give them half a month's rent. That's exactly what we take in. So they get bonuses on that. And that's if they fill it within 10 days of being ready. If it's not ready within those 10 days and it drops to 25%, but that really increases and 25% of first month's rent, but that really increases the intention to get out there and lease them up right away, especially when you flip a whole building at once. So we may have 10 units and that's possibility for a bonus of 3000 bucks. That's a large incentive. Yep. So that's worked really well. At first I was just doing 25% a month and vacancies were sticking out there. And then I said a 50% and lo and behold, the next day we had five vacancies filled. So oh my gosh, 50%. They had to have a signed lease within 10 days or they, have that, to they, they need to have the deposit from that individual deposit. signed lease need to have money from that individual. Did you notice any decrease in qualifications once you upped it from 25 to 50%? I have not noticed anything yet, but that is something obviously <laughs> I'm looking at. And uh, I'm still the one who reviews all the background checks and credit reports and everything like that. Still interject myself in there just a bit. Sure. Yeah, you do. 245 units and you're the person who still reviews that on all vacancies? That's correct. What system do you use within the business, like taking a step back, not just the background check, but what systems do you use to help you manage 245 units? We use Buildium. That's a property management software. So you can enter in all the tenants. They can pay online through the portal there. It has an accounting feature. You can send off background checks. We also utilize what's called PayLease. It's a cash pay card. So lots of our residents are primarily Spanish speaking, or they don't have checking accounts or anything like that, primarily cash payers. They were typically, or they were before, we switched them over to a pay lease card. They can go to like a local Walmart, pay with cash, and that money gets wired over, similar to an ACH. Sure. And we pay lease, L-E-A-S-E? L-E-A-S-E. Yep. Okay. Pay, lease. pay lease. Got it. When you think back with your triplex, what are some things you do differently from an acquisition front now that you weren't doing before? I would say this is probably my first seven, eight nine, 10 deals, what I would do differently. And it's very similar to the triplex. Well, I guess there's two things. One, always ask if they've filed a hail claim. If they haven't, get that assigned over to you. Have them open up a claim with their insurance policy. So this is in the due diligence process. Have them assign it over to you. The worst that happens is there's no claim. Second is always get a construction budget and factor something in there for something else going wrong because it does happen. So I think we kind of put ourselves a little bit backwards and relying on, I think we each put in an additional five or $10,000 and we're relying on that to rehab the whole property plus with the cash flow. Well, there's just numerous expenses that come up and it just creates a lot of stress. And if you can have that leveraged construction line, meaning that at closing, you're putting down an additional 20% of the 80% of the construction line that you're going to have access to, that provides a tremendous amount of help in getting projects done quicker, more effectively, and with less stress. Triplex to 245 units. How did you have the money to scale to this degree in this period of time? I didn't. <laughs> it's uh, Cash runs out really quickly in this business. So I, I think I had some savings and I had my home equity line of credit. So I think at about 18 units, I started basically running out of money. And I had partnered on at least half of those units by then. So what I started doing, and I started getting a little creative, I was finding a lot of these deals off market. So I bring a partner in, and then I'd add acquisition fees. Now the acquisition fees 
were factored into the overall purchase price. And then basically in the details, I would put that XYZ LLC receives 5% acquisition fee at closing. So that would actually be consumed by the bank. I would be paying, say, 10% of the overall. My partner would be paying 10% of the overall. And then the bank would be paying the 80%. So I'd receive a chunk of that at closing. So that helped. I've done about a dozen flips or so. So that has helped. A little bit of wholesaling, not a professional on that, just more of if I find an opportunity and a buyer and a seller kind of link them together. And then obviously the burst strategy has been huge. That's mm-hmm. been one of the biggest ones. And then there's also private money, people taking second position on the loans. There's been quite a few different ways. Yeah. And I'm glad that you listed those out. Has the burst strategy been the biggest one where you're able to get chunks of equity out and then place in the other ones? Or is there another one that would be in first place? If I was looking at a dollar standpoint, it would be the burr, especially with what I have in the pipeline right now. I have a lot of things that since I only started two years ago, there's things that are just kind of hitting that year seasoning mark that we're refinancing with Freddie. But yeah, it was definitely the burr strategy. But the other ones kind of came at opportune times where I'd possibly have to pass on the projects because I did not have the down payment, but was able to get somebody to provide a second position loan in which I pay them 1% monthly interest to which they get ACH'd into their account with the assumption that after we reposition the property, that there'll be that spread in there so that I can pay them back their initial investment as a promissory note Mm. in second position. So you found yourself in times where you need to be really resourceful because you didn't have the cash in the bank account and you saw an opportunity. Any tips for someone who is at 18 units and now they're out of money, what you suggest they do first just to get started in the more creative realm of getting equity? So I think there's a couple different things that lead up to that. It's definitely networking. Obviously, if you don't have the money, you need to find somebody that has the money. Start finding and really bird dogging and searching for deals. When you find the deals and when they're actually deals that you can see a 30, 40, 50% upside in, people are going to be attracted to that. One of the reasons and one of the things that helped me get so many partners, I believe, is because I was doing the property management myself. Most third-party property management companies aren't as good as the owner. And a lot of people saw that as value. So they would want to partner with me. And if some partners have paid for 100% of the down payment, which I pay back on the refinance portion. But I know property management isn't for everybody. So I'm not telling everybody to go manage their own properties. But if you do have that bandwidth, if you're good with people, you're good with systems, that's a really good route and it's attractive for other investors. One other way that I've gotten money is hard money. So I've actually used just a hard money lender. But in those positions, they take first position. But if it's a good enough property, you can go refinance out and get them paid back and still own the property. So I think it's multiple things, but networking and, you know, this business is all about adding value, whether it's adding value to your properties, adding value to your partners, anything like that, anything that you can do to add value to others. Taking a step back, looking at your portfolio that you've acquired, what property have you lost the most money on and how much did you lose? Well, fortunately, I have not lost yet. So it just knocked on the table right here. (laughs) I heard it. I have not lived through a downturn yet. So that's the reason why I'm trying to keep my property's cash reserves into the bank in case something does occur and not necessarily relying on the cash flow for living purposes. So I have not lost money yet. Now I've been ready to turn my hair gray and pull them all out on quite a few properties, but Mm -hmm. so far have not lost money. 
what was the last challenge you came across where you wanted to pull your hair out and your hair turned gray? <laughs> There's a few of them, but I'll think, I guess, one of the first properties I was at that I purchased, it was a duplex. Great deal. I purchased it for 100000 It was through one of those letters. It was off market. And I did the cardinal sin. Somebody had shown up. I had a for rent sign. They showed up at the property, said, hey, we're really looking for a place to stay. And Need it quickly. They needed it quickly. They had cash, but I was going on vacation the next day. The other side was vacant and I was going to have to tell my wife that instead of being a real estate investor, I was starting to make a second mortgage payment outside of our house. (laughs) Oh, any foolish young investor, I took the money. Well, six months of overdose. Sounds like we got some professionals here. Yes. Overdose. You know, they actually paid rent, which was surprising, but overdoses, bed bugs, police getting called domestic violence reports, just about every type of of nightmare. And not only that, the building was older, so some pipes burst during that time. So I highly, highly, highly considered selling it. I was going to sell it. I bought it for a hundred, put about 15 into it. It's like, if I could sell it for 130 and make a net of 10 grand, that's more than I make in a month and a half of my job. That's not a bad deal. Yeah. Anyways, I kept telling myself, I'm just like, I'm just going to stick with it. It's a couple of weeks that it took me to that point. So I stuck with it, but I was able to refinance it at a valuation of 205000 But it was very, very, very trying and stressful during that time. What but, happened with the residents? Oh, yeah. We agreed to have them leave. It was about six months. And I told them, I was, this is over. So you guys got to find a new spot. And they did with all the police reports and everything. They left. And now I have some excellent, excellent renters in there. 750 credit scores, retired individuals. So it's <laughs> very much turned around. But I also, rather than the first person with cash, I probably went through 20 applicants this time. Mm-hmm. Right. I imagine you went the opposite end of the spectrum with the next ones. Yeah. So I think even going back to what I would do differently, like that construction loan portion, if I would have had just a little bit of a buffer right there, I don't think I would have made that rash decision. Mm-hmm. And if it was attributed to the property, but at the same time, I didn't want to make a second mortgage payment. Right. Having a healthy marriage is important as well. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Details. So based on your experience as a real estate investor, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? There's a couple things and I think it keeps changing for me, but I always go back to, you got to keep learning. You have to keep networking and you can't stay complacent. So there's just so much information out there that. If you're not constantly reading, if you're not going to seminars, if you're not listening to podcasts, you're just going to soften a little bit. Also have a good daily routine, have a strong morning. For me, I get up, exercise, and it just gets the day right. So education and strong morning routine. You got 70 units under contract. I don't want to talk about that one because you haven't closed yet, but I think I heard you say you have an 80-something unit as the largest one in your portfolio. Yes, we have an 87 unit property. 87 unit. How many partners do you have on that one? That we have four partners. So me and another partner are the managing members. And then we have two other partners. Okay. Money people? Money people. That's correct. Okay. So how is that structured? Basically, they get the equity based on what the dollars that were put in. We receive an asset management fee for managing the manager. That is one that I don't manage in-house. So we're actually managing the manager There was an acquisition fee at the time of closing as well. So that's the basic structure. It's very, very simple. And you have your managing members. So you have a portion of ownership in the general partnership as well. That's correct. So we did bring equity to the deal as well. Cool. 
and what's the business plan for that? What we're looking, we actually purchased it under Freddie Mac. So we're two years interest only, 30-year AM. I think it's seven or 10-year fixed. But basically, we're going through. The property was in really good condition as it was, but there's still a delta that we can raise the rents at least 25%. So we're going through now. We're updating the units. They're about 15-year-old updates. So we're moving to whether it's the, the LVT or the plank flooring, just kind of more of the grayish look versus the brown as that's kind of more the end thing. It's next to a university. We're going through there, we're repositioning. And then within two years, we can start the process at 18 months with, I believe it's just a small penalty from Freddie Mac, refinance, pull out all our cash. That's the obvious goal. And that's what our projections say. Roll into a, another 30-year AM, 10-year fixed with three years of interest only. Why have a third-party management company manage this? Honestly, at the time I had purchased numerous, numerous properties. It was all within one week. And those other properties required probably 30 units that needed to be updated. And the third-party management company had the place basically stabilized at that point. So now we just had to go through and raise the rent. So they already had a good system in place. And I did not have the resources at the time to bring on something like that in what I deemed an effective manner. doesn't mean that at some point that won't come in-house, but at the time it made most sense to not ruffle it and My office is a couple blocks away, so I can still head over there. I can help with the turnovers. I can still be involved in that sense, but without having to take on the resource of another 87 residents and maintenance requests (laughs) and collecting rent. And if it was a different process, moving over leases and everything like that. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Ready. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dwellyn.com forward slash show. Best ever book you recently read. You mentioned you're a learner. Yep. So there's a few of them. Shoe Dog. Everybody should read that. And then The Art of War by Chang Zhu. Those two books. Best ever way you like to give back to the community. I'd like to start doing more, but the meetup group, I do spend a lot of time. We don't charge for it. I've invested a lot, a lot of time, a lot of nights away from the family. And then I try to communicate with as many investors as possible and help investors in in the community as well. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? You guys can give me a call, 402-204-5552. Find me on Instagram or Facebook, otherwise bricktownmanagement.com. Well, Colin, thank you for sharing your story, how you went from using your own money and your own resources up to 18 units and how you scaled from 18 to 245 and going through the list of tactics that you use, partnering with people. You did that all along the way, right out of the gate, off-market deals and adding acquisition fees to those flips, wholesaling, the Burr method, private money and hard money, and then talking about your approach for management and filling vacancies quicker than what's typical. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day. Really enjoyed our conversation. We'll talk to you again soon.
Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's D-W-E-L-L-Y-N-N.com forward slash show. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com.